Hey everybody, did you know that we're on Instagram? Follow us at The Refill Podcast. Also, please like, follow, subscribe, and leave a comment so that this ministry can grow and impact more people for the kingdom. All right, cue the music. Right, welcome back to Get Your Refill. Last week, I talked in detail about what the gospel is and its message, and hopefully you found some time to spell that out for yourself, that you've written it down, you have it with you, uh, because today I want to explore whether or not Christians have to share that message with other people. Should a Christian proclaim the good news of the gospel? Or in other words, should all Christians participate in evangelism? Now, I think yes, as you're going to see, but ultimately it really doesn't matter how me or anyone else would really answer that question. What matters is what God's word says about it. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at God's word. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 28 and look at verses 18 to 20. This is called the Great Commission. This is the last chapter of Matthew's gospel. So just to give you some context, Jesus has already been crucified and he's already risen from the grave. And this is what he says to his disciples. Verse 18, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So firstly, Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And that word authority is the Greek word exousia. Jesus is reiterating his power and authority to his disciples. Because that word means power, authority. It has weight, you know, especially in terms of moral authority and influence. So Jesus is yet again establishing his reign as king. We talked about that last week. And he's implying that as king, what he says goes. But there's really another context to this word that I find pretty interesting. Exousia can mean delegated empowerment or, or an authorization. It's often used in referring to the authority that God gives to his saints, authorizing them to act to the extent that they are guided by their faith. So could it be that Jesus is also empowering the disciples through his own power and authority? And I, I think so. But empowering to do what? And this is when Jesus continues, go therefore. Now go is that command to do something. And then when he says, therefore, it's because he just empowered you to do it. So Jesus tells his disciples, go, you've got this because I've given you authority. But what's cool is that it kind of also implies that we couldn't follow the command to go if God hadn't empowered us in the first place to go. Which this makes sense because this is very consistent with biblical themes found throughout the New Testament. For instance, Paul in Galatians 2 verse 20, he says, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So going back to our verse, Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. So we're commanded to go out into the world, into all nations, and make disciples. And that begs the question, well, what's a disciple? The word Jesus uses means to make, to train, or teach people to become a true learner of Christ, to be his disciple, to train and develop in the truths of scripture and the lifestyle required for that citizenship in God's kingdom. 
So it's like Jesus is saying, okay, guys, now that you know who I am and what I've done, and you're now citizens of my kingdom, go and make more people who are also going to be citizens of my kingdom and who are going to follow me just like you do. Do you see that? It's this principle of multiplication embedded in that command. Someone made you a disciple. You know, somebody loved you and shared the gospel with you. And now you're supposed to go out and make another disciple who will then also go out and make another disciple and another disciple. It's like a pyramid scheme for Christ, but this is in a good way. Sorry, that's anyway. And once you find people who give their lives to Christ, who choose to live in that upside down kingdom we talked about last week, Jesus gives us this follow-up. Verse 19, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now, there's a few things I want to point out about this passage. First, you are baptizing them after they come to a saving relationship with Christ. So notice the progression. People give their life to Christ after they hear the gospel, and then they publicly proclaim through their baptism that their old self is gone and that this new one has arrived, that they are now living as citizens of that upside-down kingdom through faith in Christ. And now, number two, notice how the word name is singular. Baptizing people in the singular name of the plural Godhead. And I think this is just pretty cool because that's just a picture of the Trinity. It's, it's, it's God showing who he is again. And then the third thing I want to point out is that Jesus was baptized before he started his ministry. His baptism marked the kickoff of him doing miracles and him bringing his kingdom on this earth. And so in the same way, the disciples that we make are to also kick off their ministry with their baptism. Okay. So now continuing on verse 20, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Jesus says, go into the world and disciple people, teach people, train people how to live as citizens of this upside down kingdom. Now, first off, let me say, this is not evidence to support salvation by works. This isn't saying that you need to obey the commands of God to be a disciple or to be a citizen of the kingdom. Because if that were true, Jesus would be contradicting his own Bible and his own words. And two, since everyone fails at living up to God's standard, if that were true, really, there'd be no Christians at all. So it's not about salvation by works, but it is about living a life consistent with his teaching, not out of obligation, but out of obedience, not out of the hopes to receive something, but out of gratitude for receiving his grace. Now, this command to teach people how to live as citizens of this upside-down kingdom is really difficult because what you're ultimately doing is telling people to live contrary to their own sin nature, contrary to how they've been living. So that's not easy. You know, do you remember when Jesus said all those you've heard it said statements? Jesus was saying those to people who actually wanted to follow the law, who wanted to honor God but had just become callous to the warped system that it had become. And his teachings, Jesus's teachings were very controversial. And throughout his ministry, Jesus taught this kingdom-minded counter-cultural lifestyle that ultimately led to them wanting to kill him. And think about it. This is what Jesus is telling us all to do. He's saying, go into a world that neither loves me, nor my disciples, and then teach them about my grace and love and how to live a life shaped by me. Matthew 10, Jesus says, Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. You will be hated by all for my namesake. 
And we're all just sitting here, like looking at our world and our friends and our family. We're just saying, are you, are you kidding me? I'm supposed to do all of that and risk all of this. And, you know, it's, I I can't, you know, it's, it's paralyzing really. And it's because of the sheer magnitude of this last command that Jesus follows this up with, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus is saying, look, I know it's hard. I know what I'm asking you to do seems impossible, but I, the one who has all power and authority, the one who calmed the seas, who made the blind see the lame walk, I, the one who rose again after three days and defeated death, I'm with you. And again, remember what we learned earlier. We're not doing this on our own strength or on our own abilities or even through our own words. Thankfully, Matthew 10, 19 exists. Do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of the Father speaking through you. Now, let's look at all of these verses that we just went over. I'm going to read this again. This is Matthew 28, 18 to 20. This is the Great Commission. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I, Jesus, have commanded you. And behold, I, Jesus, am with you always to the end of the age. Now, do you want to know what I noticed reading that again? Is that nowhere in this passage is the word optional. You know, it doesn't say, you know, if you feel like it, or if it comes up, then, you know, go make disciples. If it's easy, or if it's convenient, go do it. No, it it just simply says, go, do it. As Christians, we're on this earth to glorify God, to give him praise and worship, to bestow all glory and honor at his feet because he's God. Dr. Dave Early says this, quote, ultimately God gets the most glory when we find the deepest fulfillment, when our lives are concentrated on the salvation of souls. God is glorified as we lead others to also become God glorifiers. In other words, God gets glory when we help others get saved, end quote. So as I did last week, I'm going to end this episode with a challenge. Last week, I had you write out the gospel in a few sentences. If you didn't, go listen to that message and then again, go do that. Now, I want you to write down one name of a person that's in your life right now. Somebody that you know, that you love, that you talk to, who doesn't know Jesus. And write their name down on that piece of paper. Because here's why. There's a story of a woman who asks a pastor to pray to send Christians into her coworkers' lives so that they can get saved. And the pastor blatantly refuses. And she was like, hold on, I thought you said that saving souls is important. That's how we glorify God. And he says, oh yeah, it is. But I don't need to pray to have God send any Christians their way. He's already sent you. You see, my hope is that you would evangelize to that one person this year. Because by now, you should know the gospel message. You should have written it down. And then now you should know that you're called to evangelize, to share that message. And as mountainous as a task as that seems, as it comes into focus, you're probably going, I don't know how to do that. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. How do I do that? And that's next week's episode. All right. Have a great, great week. And I'll see you next time. Bye.